Hello, everybody, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap here on December the 4th of 2019. I am Nick, and unfortunately, due to a family emergency, Chris is unable to join me this week. Uh, don't don't get too freaked out. There was a bit of a situation. I'm not going to get into it. It's, it's, you know, up to him how much he wants to share it. He's already talked about it on the WR Discord and everything. Uh, suffice to say, things look like they're going to be okay now. Um, I'm sure that he will appreciate your well wishes, but don't be too worried about him. Uh, everything's good right now. Uh, and so I wasn't sure what I was going to do this week because uh, he is still indisposed, despite the situation being mostly resolved. So I uh, put out the call to see if anyone wanted to co-host with me on Twitter and uh, teching eventually uh, replied to it. So we really appreciate you being here, man. It's been a while. Yeah, I know. It's been at least over a year since the last time I did this. I think the last time I was here, the kids in Promised Neverland were just escaping the Gracefield house. So I think it's been a while. There are you know? a few series yeah. we talk about on the show that hadn't begun when we. Yeah, you sent talked, me the so. list and there was like, I don't know what this, this man is, but <laughs> let's die. A lot of them. I just read the last chapter just now and I have a few questions, but most of them look pretty good. Um, but yeah, no, thanks. I, I saw your tweet and I was just like, I. It was like three hours after you tweeted it. I just noticed it. I was like, I, 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 I'm free. I could do it. So here we are. You, I'm glad everything's uh, at least everything's OK right now. But Chris, I didn't really get the whole story with that. But as long as everything right now is so far, seems like it's going good. That's that's good. Yeah. I mean, you literally uh, ended up replying at like basically the last moment I could have done anything. So. <laughs> OK, cool. So, so we'll call it we'll call it, you know, arriving in the nick of time to save the day. Let's that's ah, what we'll do. There you go. Yeah. Ties back in. But uh, we're already starting off late, so we're just going to, like, get into this. Get into so, it. Uh, we're going to kick off the recap portion of the manga recap with My Hero Academia, number 252, The Unforgiven. Uh, so this is one of the series I know that you have been keeping up with because you yes. occasionally talk about My Hero Academia on your, on your YouTube I, I just channel. Did a, I just did a whole thing about Endeavor, like, two days ago, in fact. So, so yeah, this was a really great chapter. You are primed to talk about this with me. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, last time, uh, the kids defeated ending in very short order. Endeavor had hesitated, and we find out why exactly in this chapter. And they sprung into action, saved Natsuo, and uh, saved all of the cars that he had thrown up into the air and took him out. We begin this chapter with Endeavor embracing Natsuo and also Bakugo because he was there too. And Bakugo is <laughs> very upset about this. He keeps on, like, he just... In typical Bako fashion, I don't think that he actually does anything but scowl in this entire chapter. Is that anything different from what Bakugo usually does? <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen Bakugo actually be happy, come to think of it. That He's, sounds terrifying, just yeah. picturing that in my head. <laughs> just like he's him smiling. And I'm sure yeah. that... I know that is like the most popular My Hero Academia character, so there are probably some pe some girls out there who would be like, oh, he'd be so sweet. It's like, no, it'd be terrifying, because it'd be so wrong. <laughs> It would just be really like you'd like get your eardrums blown out after a while just because he yells everything, you know, ending is upset because uh, the, the wrong people ended up intervening. He wanted to never to kill him, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, Bakugo checks with Deku to make sure that everyone has been saved and Deku's new quirk worked just fine. So they're all good. Bakugo looks to Endeavor to make sure that, uh, oh, yeah, hey, we beat that uh, villain faster than you. And Endeavor is kind of like. Yeah, yeah, good good job, and most of his attention isn't actually there, uh, and he, but he actually is very grateful to them for stepping in when he, uh, when he lost his concentration. And yeah. Bak and Bakugo's like, 
I want you to be more pissed off that I beat you. <laughs> and ever apologizes to Natsuo and he says, and honestly, this is like really real, but also really terrifying in a way that he thought in the moment when he needed to take action that if he had saved him, the Natsuo would have felt like you couldn't stand up to me. And he says, believe it or not, I was never trying to neglect any of you. But all I could do was blame others and dodge responsibility. And also, I might as well have killed Toya myself, even though I was not taking responsibility for that up till now. And Natsuo was pretty shocked by this because, well, you know, for the past, his entire lifetime, Endeavor yeah. has not really been owning up to the stuff that he's done up until now. And yeah. uh, so Endeavor's like, you know, Toyo always told me everything. And, you know, you know what? I'm not going to forgive you. I'm, I I can't. I'm not as, as caring as Shoto. And Endeavor says, well, yeah, I know. But you also, despite that, you still, you know, make the effort whenever Fuyumi calls on you, whenever your mom calls on you. And, you know, your sister has that idea that we could be a big, happy family. And, you know, that's what I've ruined. And she wants it back. And that's why you're trying it all, because you care how she feels, because you're a caring person. And Natsuo thinks back to when Deku was talking to Todoroki, to Shoto earlier, saying, you know, you're trying to get yourself ready to forgive him, that there is that similarity between them, uh, he and his brother. But Endeavor says, you don't have to forgive me. I, I'm not looking for forgiveness. I'm looking for atonement. And Natsu is still pissed off about this. And he says, very rightfully so, you know, why do I have to be the one to come around to this? Why? why? Just because you're I, trying I, to I atone. love that. I love yeah. that panel. I love that page where he's like, how come I have to be the only one to change, you know, after what you did? I I, I'm, I should be in the right here, basically. Yeah. yeah. And he is. He should be. Yeah, yes, he is. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it matters that it never is making the effort, but that mm -hmm. like, we've been talking about this the last couple of weeks as this has been more and more uh, the focus of the chapters that just because Endeavor is making the effort does not mean that he deserves forgiveness. I, so. I, I did the whole thing on this and it's, it's a really serious subject matter because you're basically dealing with, you know, spousal and child abuse here. Yep. Uh, but the conclusion I came to is like, you know. No one has the right to tell you that forgiving someone is like you have to do that or you can't do that. It's just like that has to be on you 100 percent. And even if you arrive at the conclusion, I can't forgive somebody, that doesn't mean you're a bad person. That's mm -hmm. just it, it's just how it goes. Yeah. Meanwhile, Bako is in the background like, stop, stop. I just wanted food. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, don't bring your damn family drama into this. <laughs> oh, Bakugo. <laughs> Endeavor starts to make a proposal, but Ending suddenly speaks up, uh, saying, you know, no, you're, you're not supposed to be like this. You're, where you're supposed to be ferocious and arrogant. You're supposed to have, you know, dazzling light. You were supposed to be my hope and you've gone all wrong. Uh, by the way, yes. says the guy that was attempting suicide by a cop, basically, or suicide by hero, basically. I mean, that was pretty. <laughs> we find out as the cops arrive. Uh, and ending is taken away that his quirk allows him to control white road paint. Yeah. Which is that, what the bandages looked like. What they took the form of what looked like bandages. It's a unique, yeah. it's a unique thing. Uh, it also makes sense why he ambushed Endeavor on the street, uh, with, uh, with Natsuo in tow. I have to say though, so the guy's quirk, uh, is related to the road. He wanted to be killed by Endeavor. Dead end. It was right there, Horikoshi. Yeah. What, 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 were you, what were you doing? Ending that, dead that, end. Come on. Oh, my God. That would have been way cooler. Yeah. That's a great yeah. villain name. Dead end. End, end 
think, well, you know, he was, he had a few bats loose in the belfry up there. So maybe he so, just, he wasn't as clever, but yeah. Along um, with his ability to, uh, you know, be a, not be a psychopath, went his, uh, his cleverness in wordplay. So exactly. But you know, yeah, he, that's such a weirdly specific quirk. Like I can rip the lines off. Is it Rhodes specifically? Like, God, that's such a weird that's what they okay. say road paint so i don't know yeah just it has to be road paint specifically and white for it to work apparently so huh uh also the cop says that he took a, a drug to power up his quirk but yeah like trigger or whatever it's called yeah that's that's pretty much you know regular yeah. at this point endeavor's driver warns him hey you know this is the second time in the past few days you've been targeted referring to the weird glass manipulating wizard guy that they encountered before uh, there's a little moment where Natsuo uh, is actually thanking all the kids, and uh, he actually stops and is like, oh, thanks, uh, I don't know your hero name when talking to Bakugo. And Deku's like, it's just Bakugo, right? And Bakugo's like, no. And Deku's like, oh, well, tell me your hero name! And Bakugo's <laughs> like, no! <laughs> I've got to tell someone else first. So Yeah, probably, much... I, I would assume best genus, because he did make that promise yeah. with him. I mean, it um, is all but flat out saying at this point, he wants to tell Best Genius his name the next time he sees Best Genius is when we will which, learn what Bakugo's name is. Which is yeah. great, because Best Genius, we haven't seen him in forever. And I've also, I mean, there's a bunch of theories on what it's going to be. My favorite is he's going to be the exploding hero Ground Zero. That's a pretty cool hero name. <laughs> I don't know what was so bad about, you know, Explosion Murder oh, King, honestly. Explosion Murder <laughs> Kill, like, I, I've, I, maybe the little kids might be a little startled by that, just a little, maybe. <laughs> That's okay, he'll save us all, with explosions and murder. Yep, <laughs> he's gotta do what you gotta do. Uh, oh, Dynamite, That's a good one, too. <laughs> Uh, a few days pass. Endeavor brings Fuyumi up to speed days after the fact, I guess. Uh, Natsuo says what happened. Um, and Endeavor says that, hey, you know, I've talked with Shoto and Natsuo and we know, you know, what you've been doing. You've been trying to make this, you know, safe and sound household for your mother to come home to. But listen, you don't have to shoulder that burden anymore because I'm going to build a new house for you guys. One that makes sense for your commutes and one where you can give your mother a warm welcome back. And I'll remain here. So, and meanwhile, we get narration from Endeavor's point of view saying my whole family is there, but not me. If I really care about how they feel. And it goes back to, you know, the, you know, imagined like everyone sitting around the, around and having dinner without him. Except him. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's 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 dark kind of in a sense, because this is like his idea of atonement. Like, I'm just going to you guys go live in the nice household. I'm going to stay here in this empty house full of all my loneliness and all my bad decisions in life. And that's Mm -hmm. my atonement. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, like this entire story, a lot of people have been really uncomfortable with uh, giving Endeavor this redemption arc. But honestly, Mm -hmm. this is about the best decision he could make for right now. Like, yeah. They aren't ready to come together and be a happy family, and he, sh- you know, you can't force it. And uh, yeah, so he's I, I, going I'm to really liking. I, I'm just I, really liking the way Horikoshi is taking this because he does. Horikoshi didn't have to do this, and he's choosing to go the hard route with this character. And it's he's making it like it's not a simple win. You can't just like I defeated a villain and everyone loves him again. That's just not how it works in real life. So I'm I'm liking the way it's going. All right. So with that one done, we're going to talk a little bit about Eden Zero. I don't know if you've ever read this, but it's okay because I, I have, but not the most recent. I haven't read in a long time. <laughs> don't worry about it. 
because um, Crunchyroll really seriously fucked up posting the chapters recently. Last week's chapter, they posted one of the chapters from the prior week instead, and they still haven't fixed that. So going into chapter 73, I haven't read chapter 72, but I figured we'd cover <laughs> it so that when Chris comes back, we won't have to talk about three different chapters. Well, I haven't read it since, like, chapter four, so <laughs> not a huge fan. So chapter 73 is Don't Shed a Tear. And that is entirely what the chapter is about, because, uh, well, one of Draken Joe's men has confronted, um, well, Shiki was there, I guess, but there's a puddle of water now instead. Um, I guess he cried at some point because the guy's ether gear allows him to transform anyone who cries around him into puddles of water. There's a lot of... I'm going to be using a lot of apparently kind of descriptions. Well, as this. as you do. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Nino gets upset right away when she, when she realizes what has happened. And so he makes her turn into water and dissolve as well. Uh, I believe that they are all in disguise right now. And that is why they look the way that they do. Uh, mm. Because Pino is in her human avatar form that she was in while they were in a video game world. Homura uh, is this kind of like Victorian swordswoman looking character and Weiss is in his hot girl form. So um, Weiss says, uh, yeah, well we just know the trick so you we just have to make sure we don't cry uh, around you and we'll be able to defeat you. So I'm just gonna, you know, use my arsenal to make you cry. And the guy uses one of his stiletto heels to stamp on uh, Weiss's foot and make her cry that way. Mm -hmm. Hey, it worked. Blah, dissolved. So it's down to Homura uh, to take on this guy and his, frankly, really weirdly broken Aether Gear ability. And this is yeah. like the weirdest one that has appeared at all in this series, I should say. Everything else has been like gravity manipulation, summoning swords, making Fair technology enough, yeah. appear. This Typical is just like... This is like, yeah. a, you know, a magic spell, a curse that surrounds him, so. With Homura, the crying thing, huh? Homura Weird. gets her sword out. Um, the guy tries to make her cry uh, first by, you know, taunting her uh, and and then by uh, t telling a sad story about how they would duel and sing each other's praises. But before it happened, my friend got sick and died. And Homura's like... <laughs> You're trying to make me cry over some sad story. So he's like, oh, shucks. All right. <laughs> uh, well, I, I know there's uh, there's a million glee on the ground over there. No, I'm not going to cry tears of joy. Uh, what if I cry like this? No, I'm not going to cry sympathy tears. And he just keeps on using these different tricks to try to get her to cry, including trying to make her contagiously yawn. And of course, if you yawn, it makes a few tears why, come out. Why don't you just use onions? That's what he does. Yeah. <laughs> That's what eventually works. <laughs> oh my god, I can write manga now. <laughs> and he just like crunches an onion right in front of her face and Battle. and it makes her cry and she dissolves into tears and so he bottles up all the tears that he's summoned. But wait, Wise was never actually turned into tears. He used holograms to make it appear that he cried and then dissolved. And so now they're going to face off and Weiss suits up in Arsenal and they're going to fight. Even okay. with the very confusing lack of context for this chapter, this was one of the more creative moments Eden Zero has had lately. So I actually quite enjoyed this. But it was still very confusing because like, why is Shiki water? Oh, I guess it was this guy's ether gear. Okay. Okay. 
Yeah. I mean, we went from ones that can manipulate gravity to like turning you into a puddle of water. Like, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right, then. Then we're going to go. It's basically a stand power. Yeah, it is. It, it basically is. Yeah. <laughs> when you think about one of the, you know, more. When to start getting into more bizarre stuff in JoJo, you, oh, yeah, this is the rule of my stand. You know, don't cry or you lose. And so no, that's like a my... legitimate stand power. I can totally see that. Yeah. And it's so. very, and, you know, I'm fine with that. Uh, it's just a little bit of a sudden jump in terms of how this series tends to have operated as a much more straightforward battle series. But JoJo was a much more straightforward yeah. battle series, too. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, it was always much weirder than this, but... Uh, I, you can always I, do I new just, things. Yeah, I, I never got much into Eden Zero, to be honest. I don't honest. blame you. We basically just read it because we had read Fairy Tale before, and it's essentially Fairy Tale. So. Oh, no, yeah, that's one of the re- – I mean, that's a big complaint a lot of people had. Like, the characters look the same. I'm not going to try to read it. And that's – honestly, I was just tired of kind of seeing that art style in that way, and I'm like, eh. I'm just not into it. I mean, what, what Rebecca looks like Lucy, and there's yeah, literally, there's literally an she, Urza. She's basically Natsu just with black hair, and it's just, eh. Yeah. All right. So, Spy Family, Mission 17. We yes. begin this chapter with Lloyd in disguise speaking with uh, a contact in disguise while they're riding on the train together. Uh, because Anya in the previous chapter won a Stella Star. Hooray! Things are progressing well in their mission. Uh, but they can't just leave everything to chance. Uh, Lloyd's contact says, hey, you know... None of the signs look good, so you have to still find a way to get close to Desmond, and you need to get that daughter of yours motivated. So, you know, give her some candy or something. (laughs) Anya, of course, is aware of the mission that Lloyd is on, and she is actually, in this chapter, thinking of different ways she can actually help in it, because, you know, she wants to do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, of course, in typical arrogant little Anya fashion, she shows up with her Stella star, and she's like, ah, yes, I am so great. Look at my shiny star. I'm the talk <laughs> of Eden. And her friend comes up to her and is like, hey, how are you doing? I go by starlight, Anya, now. <laughs> I'm like, I like that's not arrogant at all. Okay, cool, starlight, Anya. Do you want a cup of tea? <laughs> Uh, and she's, you know, imagining different ways, like, you know, things will play out at school. Like, yeah. the boy's going to be like, I was so wrong, Anya. You're so awesome. Please be my friend. <laughs> Come to my house. Bring your parents. And Lloyd's like, yay, now I can complete my mission. And then there's the caption, and the world was saved. And, of course, it doesn't work out that way at all. He's like, don't be so, you know, stuck up about this. You know, it doesn't mean you're better than me. And he stomps off. So, basically, <laughs> going, I don't like her. I definitely don't like her. With my little boy crush. Yep. But a bunch of onlookers actually start to not so secretly mock Anya. uh, Saying, oh, she thinks she's hot stuff. Got a rub in everyone's face. Her dad probably actually had to pay a bunch of people off so she could get that Stella. Uh, And then they all look over to Damien and they're like, yeah, she cheated, right? Because they're all thinking like, we got to suck up to this guy because his dad's really important. And Damien says, nah, you know, this isn't some third rate school. They don't hand out Stellas by mistake. So he actually stands up for a little bit, but yeah, he's but he really... still he still says like, oh, man, well, the fact that it wasn't a fluke, that makes me even more pissed that, you know, a run beat me in that sense. Yeah, he doesn't like her, but he's got his values, basically. Yeah. So at lunch, Anya, who still insists on being called Starlight Anya, uh, <laughs> her friend asks her what she's going to ask for 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 a reward. And Anya has no idea what she's talking about because she's been an orphan all of her life. 
Uh, and she's like, yeah, you know, like if you do well in a test or something like that, you know, your parents buy you a reward. And Anya's like, I could get peanuts. <laughs> that, that is a legitimate reward. I mean, I would, literally I would go- working for peanuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, her friend starts naming off stuff like, oh, you know, I got a cute dress and a tiara, but I haven't gotten anything good like that. And she's, you know, recalling other things that she's gotten in the past, like a, a, pink, a pink tank, tank. <laughs> with a little bow on the front of it. Oh, well, like, yeah, oh, that's God. how you tell it's for a girl, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's you know, the Barbie Panzer, you know, a so. war plane. I'm like, God, geez, like, yeah. So. Anya's like, I could ask for a castle. And she's like, okay, man, that's a little <laughs> bit too much. Maybe a year's worth of peanuts. Okay, what, why do you keep asking for peanuts? <laughs> Seriously. But this gives Anya an idea because she says that the one gift that she got as, an, as a reward was her dog Weasel or Wheezy. And uh, Anya gets a little bit of an idea. She looks over at Damien, who's passing by, and he's like, hey, do you do you have a dog? And he's, and he's like, who cares? Don't talk to me! But of course, he thinks of his dog, Max, and Anya imagines in a wonderful little sequence, like, I've got a dog, too! Well, I bet my dog Max is better than your dog! Bring your dog to my house, and I'll prove it! And bring your parents, too! And of course, Lloyd goes there, he's like, let's stop the war! And the world was saved. And the world was saved! That's how easy this is! I love Anya's imagination bits, whether they <laughs> whether they go awfully or they go incredibly well. Like, you know, when it's the her worst case scenario, like, you know, her parents fight and let's abandon Anya too. you know, when things go well <laughs> and the world is saved. So. Um, so Anya goes back home that day and she asks for a dog. She needs a dog for world peace. Just says it like that. And, of course, this entire family is full of weirdos, so Lloyd's like, well, if we have a huge dog, it would be very good for security. And Yora's like, but it all to be so vicious. What if it mauls Anya to death? That's that's the scene. I'm reading this, and I'm like, oh, this is a pretty cute little manga. Then I see that, and I'm like, holy shit! They just showed a dog mauling this girl. I'm like, that's awesome. I mean, not, but it's, it's funny, you know? So Anya clarifies, no, I, I want a cute dog. And Lloyd's like, oh, okay. And you're just imagining the dog getting a knife and cutting her throat. She pictures like a little shih tzu grabbing a freaking knife and just slitting Anya's throat with it. I'm like, good lord. <laughs> okay. So that's the kind of tone we're going with. Yeah. All right. So Lloyd's like, all right, I'll get the agency to get us a dog. Uh, but then he says, we'll visit some pet shops. And we actually cut over to some sort of compound uh, where there are some guys with some very vicious looking dogs in cages, uh, you know, saying like, oh, you know, there's there's a real bunch of, you know, bastards looking for ones around here. Maybe they're planning to use one as a bomb dog. Uh, Maybe they're doing it, you know, in order to use them for people's play things. Uh, And as they're checking some, they actually happen to pass by one that's just kind of like, you know, very quietly sitting by itself. And his ear twitches and an image of Lloyd, Yor, and Anya all looking down at him and smiling appears. And it kind of lurches up and sits up. And it's this kind of like rodent looking thing. I'm not sure if this is an actual dog. It could be. I don't know dogs, but it's clearly a very big dog. I went with St. Bernard, but it's a magic future sight dog, basically. (laughs) 
So, and of course, yeah, yeah if uh, if the family's going to get a dog, it's got to be a weirdo just like them. So I, I mean, it honestly reminded me of the dog from Full Metal Alchemist, if you remember <laughs> that little moment there. Before, uh, the, before the fusion, you mean? Before the dark times, yeah. yes. So... A mastiff? Ah, my boss has a mastiff. I don't think it looks like a mastiff to me, but mastiffs are huge. So it was a cute little chapter. I, I really liked yeah. it. And, uh, you know, I think it's been long enough with this dynamic between the three characters that it's okay to add, you know, a little side character to it. Uh, and it's going to yeah. be interesting to see, you know, this world through the eyes of a dog who can see the future. So. Out of all of the chapters I had to read that I didn't, I don't know anything about the previous chapters. This is the one I think I'm most interested. In. I'm gonna. It's only like 17 chapters. I think I'm yep. gonna go back and read this from the beginning because this one actually does look pretty interesting to me. Yeah. And uh, it used to be entirely available on Manga Plus. It's uh, available through a Shonen Jump subscription. Um, so yeah. Um, I do want to make a brief note about Beast Children. We haven't even like been talking about this consistently, so don't worry about it. It's it's the, it's okay. the rugby series. Uh, they win oh, the scrum. Ended. They ri- win the scrum practice. That that's what happens in the first like fifteen pages, and so they they did it. They did it, and 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 so of course our protagonist thinks to himself, "We keep moving forward. I'm not alone anymore." And it was like, "Let's go back to practicing." And he's like, "Hey, let's do it again." And next time, you know, senpais, you go up against us eight on eight instead of with giving us a handicap like that. And they're like, "All right." And then he has a flashback to when the first time he encountered his master, and he was like, I'll teach you how to tackle. Yay! Okay, so... <laughs> it, it This series was paced so strangely from the very beginning. It's been going on for half a year, and there was the accelerated match with Rival that happened, and it ended, like, three chapters ago, and then we went into, like, practices and stuff, and then it ended. So... okay. You think it's what the, like the pacing is what killed it then? I absolutely do. Um, yeah, I know that it was largely introduced to be in conjunction with Japan hosting the World Cup of Rugby this year, um, and so I was kind of thinking to myself, well, maybe it'll just be canceled whenever Japan's knocked out. No, it kept on going a few weeks after that. <laughs> yeah, so, but it it had potential flashes of potential in terms of uh, the way it did things at certain points there was a cool thing that it would do whenever uh the main rivalry would meet up with each other but other than that like there are so many characters in the series that cuz i've been reading this basically from the beginning uh, i've skipped a few chapters here and there but i okay. barely remember anyone's names <laughs> because they left so little of an oh, impression geez. on me so it's a shame because I, I I like a good sports manga and uh, this did not turn out to be great. So, hmm. other spy family series. <laughs> yeah, there's. There, I went from reading no spy family series to two, two. spy family series. Mission Yozakura family, uh, Mission Fifteen, Cupid's Needle. A new character is introduced in this one. We still haven't gotten the chapter focusing on the last sibling. I'm sure that Chris would be very upset if he were here because he'd been looking forward to, to that for a long time. Damn uh, it! All right, then I channeled Chris for a second. <laughs> basically, what happens in this, and I'm not going to go too deep into too much detail in it, a female assassin emerges. She's referred to as the Manhunter spy Ayaka Kirisaki. She uses needles. <laughs> Yandere! <laughs> basically, she uses needles. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap, Yandere syndrome. 
She uses needles uh, to stab people. She throws them at people. They've got all sorts of different poisons on them. Uh, she shows up at school trying to kill Tayo because she's in love with him. Uh, she fell in love after seeing a bunch of stuff about him on the black market. There's a bounty out now for for him uh, because of the stuff he's been up to. I do like the detail that mm -hmm. it's an incredibly unflattering picture because it's while he was in the middle of a mission and so he wasn't he, posing or anything. Yeah. He says he's like, I'm about to sneeze. Yeah. And uh, Ayaka is uh, pretty crazy right now. She actually throws her needles at a random hitman that was being sent to try and take Tayo out to uh, get the bounty. Because uh, she doesn't want even a single hair on Tayo's head to be touched before he can take she can take his life. Uh, she's pretty crazy, clearly. Uh, I would say so, yes. <laughs> Turns out that she spoke with Kyoichiro about this, and, and since Kyoichiro is like, well, I vowed not to harm my uh, little sibling, but it's fine if someone else does it, go right ahead. Yeah, and, yeah that sounds about like what he would do. So, Tayo tries to go throughout his day um, at school while needles just keep on appearing in different places in his chair on the ball and gym class, just flying at him from, a, from the neighboring desk that she's at. And, uh... Yeah, eventually she gets kind of fed up with waiting, and she just uses her needles to control everyone else in the class like puppets. Like, like you freaking Alumi from Hunter Hunter. So like you weird, do. But okay. Yeah, you do. She uses them to try and hold down Tayo so that she can take him out once and for all. Mutsumi tries to intervene. Uh, but coming up behind Ayaka, the hitman arrives from before, pointing his gun at them. And everyone realizes what's going on. Mutsumi dives forward, pushes Ayaka out of the path of the bullet. Uh, Tayo breaks free of the people holding him down, hits him with his taser gun, and knocks him out of the window. And uh, Ayaka's like, why Why did you save me to Mutsumi? And she says, well, you know, I couldn't stand by and let someone who said they liked Tayo die. Very self, very like selfless wife, I guess. I If this just turns into like a harem comedy, I'm going to be disappointed because... <laughs> I don't well, think we need another one. I, I've heard that they've been introducing characters like crazy yes. in the last few chapters. So, yeah. I mean, we started I don't off, know how many of them are all women, so we'll see. There's one other female character. Two other female characters, my mistake, in the story. Oh, okay. Ooh, I, don't, I don't know, man. It's only chapter 15. It's looking they like maybe go there. They have shown no interest in Tayo because Mutsumi is their sister and she's married to him. Mm. But yeah, all of a sudden introducing this, and it's really weird because we start off this series with Tayo, Mutsumi, and Mutsumi's got five or six siblings, and they're like all central characters, and then there's a police contact of Kyoichiro's, and now there's this girl. We're on okay. chapter 15, and there's been a lot of chapters focusing on individual characters, so I don't know if there's ever going to be like an actual direction that this series takes, or if it's just ah. going to be... Because we have, I'm not sure. Hmm. I mean, I like this series. I, I, I'm kind of like been. I've kind of been championing it on this show. Chris is very much not all about it. Um. I I I like the art of it. Like those, mm -hmm. just those certain scenes with Yandere girl like freaking out, trying to like stab him. He's, it, it was an interesting art style, if nothing else. It looked pretty cool. Now we had there was a sequence where there were a few chapters where like Mutsumi had been captured, Taya had to train up and get really serious so we could go rescue her, and that was the 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 first actual like story arc in this series. So I'm curious okay. if there's going to actually be 
any semblance of a story or if it's just going to be random collections of humorous uh, events that happen chapter by chapter. Um, okay. But I guess time will mm-hmm. tell. It got a color yeah, page. I guess I- it got a color page last week, so it's doing okay. <laughs> So that's pretty good if it's gotten a color page. Yeah, it just seems like the author is just trying to like, I'm going to dump all these characters at the very beginning of the story and then slowly get to them throughout. But that might screw it up early on. Like, I I don't know. We'll see. Well, we never learn. Honestly, did the same thing. Yeah. Uh, So that's a harem. Kind of. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is. It it is. It it It, is. It it is. is. Yeah. But with that one, like the, the character introductions tailed off very quickly after the first I don't know, dozen chapters or so. And we were like, why yeah. is all these characters being introduced chapter by chapter? And then all of a sudden, oh, okay, we're just sticking with this cast. So I don't know if there's ever going to reach a point where, where Yosaka or a family is just like, okay, we're good. We're just going to do some stuff with these characters for now. But Is the thing at the very, the Popopopo thing, is that anything relevant or do, do we not know That's yet? It's the person who posted the bounty. And I believe okay. that we might have actually seen that symbol before. You have to take, keep in mind yeah. that in this world, spies, there's, like, this entire underground, like, market for okay. them. So there's, like, a spy-only Twitter, basically. Because so. all I know is Popopo, that's the Japanese onomatopoeia for the sound a bird makes. Because uh, Pidgey from Pokemon, its original name was Popopopopo. Because that's the sound it made. Like, that's, like, tweet in Japanese, basically. Well, so, that, might be, that, might, that might also just be, like, the Twitter thing, so... That's for, okay, Twitter tweet. Okay, yeah. I, I forget mm. exactly uh, what it was, uh, but like a lot but, of the spies that have like have social media accounts have their little symbols because you know their avatar okay. pops up. So it might be that. I'd have to go back and check, but I'm, I'm not going to. So gotcha. All right. Well, this one looked pretty good. I might pick this one up too. We'll see. Samurai Eight, Chapter Twenty Nine, Yoshitsune's Calling. So. I guess that there's supposed to be a bunch of emotional weight to this chapter. Um, <laughs> I know that's dam- that's very damning, but uh, so like this would have been a very good chapter if there had been actual like buildup in this arc surrounding Kotsuga, aka Yoshitsune, and there wasn't. He was a jerk to everyone when he joined their crew. He was a jerk to everyone when he betrayed them, and now we're supposed to like him. Uh, because it turns out he's been deceived and betrayed by Ben this entire time. This is primarily a flashback chapter because Dharma has downloaded Ben K's memory because he can do that because that's how samurai work. Don't you know that about samurai? They can download each other's memory against each other's will. Um, well, yeah, it's written in the Code of Bushido right there, section two. Yeah. <laughs> Dharma tries to finish off Ben K, but his key holder comes out of nowhere grabs him in its mouth and flies off to escape. And Dharma's uh, period where you can access this body is at an end. So he's about to shut down and go into sleep mode. So he's like, Hachimaru, let me download these memories into your head. And so he does that. And uh, Dharma says, since the series is probably ending soon, you have to have this final battle, Hachimaru. So I'm entrusting this to you. (sighs) Yeah, I never... I never got into Samurai. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's really- I heard the only thing I've heard. The only thing I've heard about it is that the power scaling of it kind of got really crazy really fast. Ben K's key holder was the size of a moon. So, yeah, see that that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's shown flashes of potential, but I mean, it's a Kishimoto written series, so you would so. expect it to be more coherent. 
that's been the yeah. problem. It's that it's so it's going to be so you, it's going to be ending soon. Then, I mean, I have to assume it will be. We we've been kind of waiting for it to end for a while. Um, mm-hmm. it's but I I imagine that because it's a Kishimoto headed series that they're like giving it every chance in the world to try and get the numbers back up. If you look but at the, it's if, just well, if you look at the volume sales figures, it did astonishingly bad. Okay, so oh oh god, <laughs> well. I mean, maybe Kishimoto, maybe try again, buddy. We'll see what happens. I'm sure he will, but um, the main problem with it has just been there's so much lore surrounding samurai and so much explanation of how their powers work that Mm. it gets really bogged down in explaining how things work. So you because like with Naruto, at least with the beginning of Naruto, we really focused mostly on the characters and we did learn stuff about ninjas, but it was very much like sprinkled throughout. So this is just more like cramming all that lore in the beginning. Yeah, well, I like see. you know, when did we learn about like what elemental jutsu were in Naruto? It that was wasn't like, that wasn't until like part two when we learned yeah. out actually how that all works. hundreds of yeah. chapters in. I mean, they yeah. explained what taijutsu and ninjutsu and genjutsu were relatively early on, but it was not like, and this is how this works, and this is how this works. It was like it's this type of technique and this type of technique and this type of technique. Okay, let's go. So. We'll explain. Yeah, I think they focused mostly on the characters in part one. By part two, they're like, okay, now we can actually slow down and explain how all this shit works. Right. And, but um, I don't know. Maybe yeah. Kishimoto got used to writing a series a certain way and didn't, and forgot. It how to just do didn't stuff. feel. Yeah. Or maybe he felt like I did ninjas with this. I got to do samurai with this. I'm like, ah, I'm not feeling it. So, uh, Dharma. Well, Dharma doesn't go, but uh, Hachimura brings Dharma's ball back down to the planet, meets up with all of their allies, and they basically have a Death Star plans uh, discussion going over what they mm. need to do. Uh, one of the samurai's like, oh, we should you know, form a team and go after him all at once. And Yoshitsune says, no, that won't work. This place is what he chooses, uses to choose different samurai keys in preparation for whatever battle he knows is ahead. So there are all so many followers that he's connected to you can't just take him head on uh so they're like hey you're our enemy and you're still it's like listen like i'll i'll tell you everything i know because hey hachimaru you know you you know stuff right now right so can you like show me the stuff that ben was keeping hidden from me and uh hachimaru is like okay and so uh he Pops out his key holder and uh, uses his uh, holographic projector to show what's what happened. And basically what occurred was that Yoshitsune's father was obsessed with, like, passing things on genetically. Um, mm. Sounds like a cool guy, but uh, he wanted to. Oh, yeah. He wanted to pass on his legacy to his son, uh, Yoshitsune. Uh, but uh, he was like, oh, you know, Ben. Oh, Yoshitsune is his name. Frickin' I forget what their names are. Sanda is actually Co- <laughs> look. I don't care. Okay, Kosuga's real either, name. So Kosuga's son's yeah. real name is Sanda, and I think he's part of the Shana line. Yoshitsune is the is his father's name. Okay, sorry. Okay, I I wanted to just call him Kotsuga, and I thought that I would be proper, but then I chose the wrong name. My mistake. No one actually cares. <laughs> <laughs> I got so much shit for calling Aki the wrong name when going through Chainsaw Man, so... But we'll see how many people are like, get it right, Nick, so... So, um... He went through the ritual of assessment, which included taking blood samples, because I guess potential to measure to be a samurai is measured in midichlorians. That seems about to be... 
of course this seems that seems to be what go- is going on here so but benke switched the blood vials after 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 sonda's blood was extracted oh no so they're like oh no he'll be inaccurate when they think he's going to become a samurai and so when when koska overheard his parents discussing is like, oh he can't be a samurai that uh, he has no chance to do it no oh no so they're like okay so and it turns out Benkei was actually eavesdropping on on Sanda when he was over when he was eavesdropping on that conversation too. So Yoshisi was still convinced that you know because the chance they gave that he could possibly become a samurai were like two percent. So he's like, it's that, not zero though. It's that's not zero. Good. I believe that he will do it. I trust in my son. No, he doesn't say that. He says, you know, Sanda is the pure born son of the Shana line. That's a really weird thing for, like, the good guy to be saying. It's like, his blood is pure. He could be a samurai. Yeah, that's a little weird. So, um, Yoshisune went after his son to basically stab him with a ritual knife. Because uh, he's like, you know, I know that you can do it, you know. And Sana's like, no, I'm not compatible with the locker ball. I know the truth. So, no, no, you are my son. It's fine. But Sanda's mother intervened because, of course, she didn't want her son to be stabbed to death. Sanda stabbed her instead. Uh, Then uh, Sanda tackled his father. They kind of struggled for a little bit. Benke immediately went over to uh, the mother and was like, oh, what a great opportunity. Die. And he took the knife out and properly mortally wounded her and killed her right away. So now Sanda knows the truth now. He, then he calls over and says, like, oh, Yoshitsune is not breathing. And Yoshitsune falls into despair. That's the only way for a samurai to die is if they actually, you know, lose themselves and give up. So uh, mm-hmm. he collapses into his ball form. And uh, so they're both dead. And so after that, Benkei was when Benkei was like, I will adopt you and your name will be Kotsuga. So, of course... Sanda is incredibly pissed off when he now that he knows the truth and he falls to his hands and knees and says, I know that I don't have any right to ask you this, but please lend me your strength for this. And so some of the outlying samurai are like, what an asshole. Look at that coward and traitor begging on his hands and knees. What? Who? Now he wants to do that like an honorable samurai. But Hachimaru says, asking me like that while touching your head to the ground and abject apology. That is the most like a samurai you could be. Yes. Expert on, the, expert on the samurai. Stupid, shitty kid. Hachimaru here. Uh, hmm. This seems unnecessarily complicated. Well, that's kind of the way things are for this series. Now, yeah. I think that the story in itself is pretty, you know, ridiculously uh, heart wrenching. I think it would have been much more effective if we had gotten to know Kosuga better during the course of this and gotten to see more of his like sympathetic side. So we would actually care more when his parents were brutally deceived and murdered like this. But the actual act itself, yeah, that's all. That's a good starting point of like, this is why this guy was following this asshole is because he had been deceived like this. And so he lost everything. He thought that his father had betrayed him. And so he thought that he could only trust in Benkei. But... Two problems. One, Yoshitsune still seems like an asshole because he's yeah. like pure blood. My son will 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 succeed me because his blood is pure. That that's sounding a little Hitlery there. Just just Chad. Also, his faith that he'll stab his son and everything will be okay is a little bit crazy. Yeah, uh, just a little bit. And then, secondly, just the actual context outside of this not really helping to hold it up. So yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah, I'm. Uh, this is one I never just picked up, and if it's you know, I I just didn't get the same feel from Naruto. I gave it a shot, but it's like, eh. Don't really blame you. So. Yeah. <clears throat> so we got That's... a new Jumpstart series this week called Zipman. Uh, it is a yeah. superhero manga, a bit more um, in what you would kind of think in terms of like Eastern superheroes than My Hero Academia, because there is a lot of the, everything is based around this TV show that the protagonist and his brother would watch called Jackman, which was a very like, you know, Ultraman, so Kamen like Rider kind Sentai of and, and stuff, Super Sentai, and, you know, Kamen Rider and stuff. Yeah, you know. Lots of flipping, lots of stunned work and stuff like that. Uh, So our hero, uh, Tatara, he, or I think, I think it's easiest to call him Kaname because uh, he's got a twin brother in this. So, okay. He's an idiot with a really demonic face. He's trying out to be the next Jackman. Uh, He's showing off his moves and they're like, wow, you know, you're. That's really impressive because he's, you know, like running along the walls without wires. He punches you know, th- straight through cinder blocks. Uh, they're like, oh, that's amazing. But, you know, you're not, I'm not really getting a Jackman feel from you. Maybe, you know, you could be one of the monsters instead. And Konami uh-huh. makes his disappointed face, which looks really scary because he's got a really scary <laughs> face. And so they're like, okay, bye. So, but Konami's like, no, I'm not going to give up. I'm, I'm going to be Jackman. Um, they say that, uh, you know, the scouts are like, that kid was really memorable, but, uh, Hey, you know, his last name, Tatara, is he, you think that he's related to that Tatara? Because Konami's twin brother was Koshiro Tatara, his twin brother, who was a world renowned mechanical engineer who basically everyone thought was going to change the world. Like, you know, this kid is 17. He got he got a doctorate from MIT at age 12. He had his own robotics research and development company by the age of 15. He, he's like the next like Stephen Hawking or something. He's like, or is this really brilliant, you know, young kid? Yeah. So they thought everyone thought he was going to change the world, but his death, you know, sets back scientific advances by 50 years. We'll never see the likes of him again. Uh, Kanami has a flashback to when they were kids and how they both really liked this Jackman character when they were kids. Uh, Kanami tried, would try to, you know, act as Jackman and protect his little brother when they were getting bullied at school by a kid who had really big hands. Uh, but then a girl showed up to help them. Uh, a girl that both Kaname and his brother fell in love with at the same time, at first sight. So, Aww. Kaname and Koshiro both fell in love with this girl who protected them. They thought they were... Un- but so, they've been competing with each other ever since in their own ways. Kaname in athletics and Koshiro with his brain. So, we see that Kaname is, like, the helper for a bunch of different athletic clubs because he's so incredibly physically gifted. Everyone thinks he's scary, but he's really reliable, so they like him anyway. Um, and then we see that after he's helped out a bunch of people, and he does a little Tokyo Tower superhero show where he's wearing a monster costume, uh, that uh, China, the girl that uh, he and Koshiro have a crush on, shows up afterwards, congratulates him. Uh, and uh, is Kanami's kind of like selfishly down on himself a little bit because Koshiro's dead, and now he's like, I can't compete with my brother anymore. It's, but he kind of won. I mean, 
That's kind of he's still yeah. Winner by forfeit. <laughs> yes. Winner by death. <laughs> My brother's dead. I don't. I, okay. What? A, what an but, asshole. Yeah. I've never had siblings, so I could say that. <laughs> well, Konami feels down on himself because he's like the competition hadn't ended. But he died without me having actually beaten him once. Koshiro was always the one to make Chihiro smile, uh, and he never got to do that while his brother was alive. So, uh, Chino says to Konami also, just to twist the dagger a little bit, I didn't tell you, but Koshiro actually invited me here today. He said, let's go see that embarrassing show that he's doing. And, uh, and then she gets really upset when she thinks about, um, uh, you know, Koshiro being gone. And Konami's like, oh, I've got to make her smile. And so he tells her that uh, he's auditioning for Jackman. It didn't work out this year, but he's going to try next year. And he's going to show her all sorts of cool stuff. And then, of course, a news a news show comes out with uh, more talking about uh, Koshiro and how uh, he's posthumously receiving Nobel Prizes in chemistry and the Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, so Ch- China smiles again Aww. after Koshiro's dead. So Konami's like, God damn it. <laughs> But uh, even in death, he's beating me. Even in death, he cock blocks me. <laughs> My own brother. It's a really weird dynamic that they have because, like, you know, I can't make her smile now that you're gone because she cared for you so much. So, but all of a sudden, uh, Kaname gets a message from someone who refers to him as Devil Gorilla, which was what his brother would always tell him. And he's like, "Hey, I've got a, I've got a favor to ask. So come down from there right now." And Konami's like, what, what, what's, what's going on? And even he doesn't even tell Chino what's going on. And the uh, message says, don't talk to anyone. Hurry up. Uh, all of a sudden, the tower starts to shake. And they're like, what's going on? Is this an earthquake? But it turns out that there is a giant robot! A huge <laughs> robot! And uh, it's wrecking everything in its path, knocking into buildings, stepping on stuff. There is one random badass construction worker who swings a crane into it to try and stop it. That nah, doesn't work. He's um, just like, we've been working on this building all week, you son of a... And he just, like, swings. <laughs> the entire first half of the chapter was was a dupe. This is the real hero. Crane yeah, operator he, guy. He's dedicated to his job. He cares, man. <laughs> so, it briefly stuns the robot, and that's it. Uh, so no one knows what's going on. There's just this giant robot. Um, Kaname shouts out to China that they should take the stairs to get down the tower. Um, she gets tired, however, and, uh, and starts and stops a, a flight above Kaname. So Kaname's like, Hey, you know, come down here. I'll give you a piggyback ride and I'll carry you the rest of the way down. Um, but, uh, and she thanks him, but all of a sudden a truck comes flying towards them, blows up, uh, the side of the tower that they're in. Uh, it collapses the stairs between them, so she can't get to him. So she's going to go back up and take the elevator down instead. By the way, this is the Tokyo Tokyo Tower that they're at. Yeah, Tokyo Tower. Yeah. Um, the robot is now staring down Kaname, and uh, he realizes that since you know it's right in front of the tower, that uh, China and everyone else inside of it are in danger. So uh, Kaname is like, everyone's gonna die. I know, and uh, she he remembers back when they were kids, she is saying that she likes strong people like Jackman. And he's like, I know that I'm not Jackman, but even so, I've been working hard to be the strong person who will protect your smile. I've been working hard to protect it. So I'm going to stop this thing, even if it's just for one second. If I back down now, then I'm no Jackman. And he starts to rear back to just 
punch the giant robot. But all of a sudden, As a truck. You do. Yeah, it'll work. All of a sudden, a truck drives up, and a voice chimes out from him saying, "We don't have time, Devil Gorilla." And it's Koshiro's voice. And so Konami shouts out to him saying, "Hey, are are you alive? Why didn't you tell me earlier?" And Koshiro says, "Stop panicking. Calm down. If I explained, it'd go over your head." Nice. Compartment pops open, and a bizarre Kigurumi-looking thing uh, is sitting there with dog ears and zippers everywhere along its body. And Konami's like, what the hell is this? Why do I need to put this on? And Koshiro's like, don't think about it, just do it. Uh, <laughs> I, this isn't ideal, but under the we, circumstances, you're the only person I can ask to pilot We this. gotta get this series going. Get in and beat the robot. Come on. <laughs> and that is essentially what happens. There's a cool little mo- sequence because he puts his hand on the zipper and it registers his DNA and unlocks that way and he's able to unlock it. He gets inside of it. It zips up in an awesome little transformation sequence. Of course. And it goes, zip up! So. And uh, so now he, in this new suit, jumps towards the robot again, punches it in the face, and sends it teetering. Konami realizes he's got super strength now. And so he launches into a superhero speech and declares himself to be the watchdog of Justice Jackman. And (laughs) Koshiro's like... Why are you calling yourself that? Who said you could? <laughs> and I was like, it's obvious I'm Jackman. <laughs> I mean, if that's the situation, you got to. I mean, come on now. This is living out your childhood dream. You, I'm a Power Ranger. You got to do it. You Pretty know? much. Yeah. The guy piloting the giant robot throws a punch at Konami and Konami is like, hey, Koshiro, do you have some kind of special attack in this thing? And Koshiro's like, I don't know. Well, fine. And so he does his special attack, the punch that he's been practicing his entire life, the 100,000 horsepower jack rocket. He punches back into the giant robot's fist. It launches outward, uh, Konami's fist does, and just crashes through the entire robot and then retracts afterwards. And Koshiro's voice is like, you did a special attack. Wow. <laughs> Good job, man. You built it, that. presumably. <laughs> Although Konami says, like, well, didn't you make this suit? And Koshiro says, well, about that. And doesn't really get to finish. Everyone celebrates that they've been saved. They're cheering on Jackman. And uh, everyone's super happy to see him. Uh, Konami poses and Koshiro's like, come on, stop it. And Konami's like, hey, Koshiro, I know that this is your suit, but my strength saved you and everyone. You can come back and we can get back to our maker smile battles. But Koshiro says, I'm not coming back. Um... And Konami's like, oh, come on, you know, just because I finally, you know, was the one to make people smile doesn't mean you have to give up now. I mean, this is my first win in like nearly a thousand battles. But Koshiro says, I don't really know how I ended up here, but this suit is me. And the head at the top of the suit looks down into Konami's face. Ah. And so we got a little bit of a Big Hero 6 kind of thing going on a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, dead brother who invented this thing that's going to be a superhero now. Um, and uh, kind of a there's a One Piece character that uses a jacket fruit where his brother gets inside of it. And they yeah, yeah, yeah. Combined. So that kind of. Yeah. We also had a um, whole thing with like two twins brothers being featured with double tie, say two twins acting as one, but in a different respect. Um, okay. I will say that this series is off on the right foot. Uh, it's exciting. There's really good art. There's some cool action. There's an interesting premise. Konami's a likable character with a cool established dynamic. 
and he looks different than a lot of the stuff that's go that's running in uh, Shonen Jump. So yeah, it, it's looking good, especially since My Hero kind of focuses a lot on, like you said, like uh, more comic book Western superheroes. This one's definitely more on like Common Rider and Sentai and stuff. So yeah, yeah, I like the parallel. It's pretty good. Um. According to uh, Tropical in the chat, uh, the mangaka was an assistant of both Oda and Horikoshi. So, Ooh, okay. Well, then, yeah, yeah this there's is the looking pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I hope that this series, uh, you know, goes well. It shows promise for right now, but that's really all you can say after like this one chapter. One chapter uh, so. in, but so far, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, we're done okay. with the newer stuff. I'm used, to, I'm used to having someone take over at the lead on some of this, but it's okay. I could uh, do Dr. Stone and One Piece. Um, yeah, we'll do that when we get to them. Sure, why not? <clears throat> yeah, sure. We Never Learn. Chapter 138. Sometimes a maiden's sweet sentiments are connected to a pizza bed. Uh, <laughs> no, Chris isn't here. I have to do that. So uh, last time uh, at, for Valentine's Day, Uruka and the other girls uh, made chocolate for Yuiga. Uh, Ruka reflected on all the past times that she has failed to actually give chocolate to her crush, which makes me so sad for her. And it turns out that, uh, you, she was going to give, be the first to, she wanted to be the first to this day to finally give chocolate to him and, uh, didn't work out, uh, because he's already carrying a bunch of chocolate. And Ruka's like, why is he so popular all of a sudden? No way. I guess you are really cool. This is how it should be. And Chris was saying last week that he was hoping they're like, yeah, of course everyone gives Yuiga chocolate. He's a really nice guy who helps everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, he's the best guy ever. He's a great guy. Why wouldn't you give him a lot of chocolate? But it turns out that he's actually holding chocolate for his super popular handsome friend, Kobayashi. That's that's why he's got all this chocolate. And it's like, oh, this is unfair. Yeah, you just give chocolate to the hot guy instead of the guy who's really helpful to everyone. Yeah, that's how it goes, man. Yeah. So Uruka is like, oh, it was just it was just Koba's chocolate. Oh no, this gives there goes my chance to actually give him chocolate first thing in the morning because the bell rings. So she walks off blushing, is like, I'll give it, I'll do a next break for sure. And of course, she's falling falling into that old habit of oh no, you know, it's, it's, it's you know she's been she always wanted to do it, but she never got the nerve worked up. Kobayashi, yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kobayashi happens to watch Uruka walk off. Uh, and while she's blushing, and because Yuiga's like, oh, you know, you've always been so popular since elementary school, and Kobayashi's like, well, yeah, you too. I mean, every year, but he doesn't say anything as he looks over at Aruka and just gonna you know, ghost ghost shot and it's like, yeah, forget it. During the next break period, Fumino gives Yuiga chocolate, uh, and she's basically like the very first thing she says after he reacts is like, it's platonic chocolate. It's just you know, obligatory, you know. Uh, Yuiga bites into it. It's very, very crunchy because Fumino made it. Um, <laughs> but Yuiga's like, oh, no, it's good. Oh, hey, blood. Blood's coming out of his mouth because it's so uh, sharp. And uh, The next break period, Ogata gives him chocolate. And she's like, hey, have some udon. Oh, wait, the chocolate chopsticks are stuck. Wait, this is all chocolate. The bento with, uh, with udon in it that she gave him is actually chocolate. The chopsticks are chocolate. The box is chocolate. It's really cool. I, I like that because in the last chapter, she was making chocolate by frying it like udon. And it's like, it mm-hmm. keeps melting. I'm like, no shit. But then it's like, oh, it actually turned out like this. Okay, sure. cool. It's a nice it's a nice touch. That, hey, you know, everything worked out for her. Cool. <laughs> um, 
Urka was. She, she is best girl. Just saying, it's the best, the best Aww. chocolate, best girl, of course. I like Ogata, but I don't like her for Yuiga. <laughs> I love Ogata. Uruka was watching from the shadows again. Uh, oh no! Wait, I can't give my. She's actually going to like step in and give give her chocolate, but Sekijo shows up and she's like, "I hear that giving platonic chocolate is what's in." She's doing it to be fashionable. This happens every year, Sekijo. <laughs> but uh, she gives over chocolate to both Yuiga and Ogata's, and Ogata's chocolate is modeled to look like her face, but like three times bigger than her actual face. They're just friends. Yeah. They're friends. They're really good friends. Seriously. <laughs> yes, they are friends, Nick. Yes. <laughs> do, do you do, have you heard about our pizza bed? No. What's okay. going on with that? We have a pizza bed, and we and uh, we never learn that's been going for two years now. I think. Okay. Which is whether or not Seikijo is actually in love with Ogata, and I have said. Um, the manga does not explicitly say it yet. It's pulling the soy fun with with Yoruichi thing where it's yeah, implied. Yeah. Well, I thought that was very no. I thought that was directly like shown in Bleach. Like, oh no, soy fun has the hots for Yoruichi. That's the way I always took that. But um, hmm. I have told I Chris. I, I've told people repeatedly. Like, well, if the well, series, what side are you on, and what side's Chris on? Here? Chris is on the side of she's in love with Ogata. Okay. I am on the side of like. It's a joke because no Shonen Jump series has the balls to actually do that. So until we never learn, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> okay. I, so basically, I, I owe him a pizza if it turns out that Seiko Joe is actually in love with Ogata. I might um, have to get on Chris's side here, man. Okay. <laughs> it's all right. Everyone's on Chris's side. <laughs> I think we just want that to be the case. You know, he needs this. <laughs> so. Uh. Uruka has been interrupted by this, and she's still not able to give hand over chocolate. So we gets to be after school, and Asumi shows up to give some chocolate over to Yuiga. And uh, she rides up on a scooter, and she's like, oh, yeah, you know, I mean, my dad's always causing trouble for you. So, you know, it's just a little bit of chocolate. It's nothing, really. And Yuiga's like, yay, chocolate, food! And As <laughs> But Asumi's it's like, you know... <laughs> it's funny because he's poor. <laughs> he's so endearing, though. Yes. So Asumi's like, well, you know, though, I don't plan on giving chocolate to anyone except for you, so maybe this isn't platonic chocolate. And he goes at me like, ah! <laughs> He's like, what? And Asumi's like, yeah, that I figured that I'd do it. But, you know, i just doing that so you'll give me something nicer on yeah, white she, day. She, she just likes to screw with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She definitely doesn't have a crush on Yuika back. Mm -hmm. No, not at all. Absolutely not, no. She rides off before Yuiga can really say anything in response. So Uruka's like, I know, that's perfect. I'll just be like a Sumi-senpai and be really mature and cool when I give it to her. And she, like, <laughs> imagined herself like, ah, oh, yes. Are you hoping it's just romantic chocolate? And then she's like, yeah, there's no way I could do that. And, so of course, grabbing, gone. Grabbing him, but he's, like, kneeling before. He's, like, grabbing his chin. And like, <laughs> crossing her legs all seductively. Oh, were you hoping that you would get something from me? No, I can't do that! <laughs> uh... And, of course, uh, Yuika's gone. Yes. And, of course, you know, three out of the four other girls have done it already, so he runs into Kurisu. this out here. Yeah, yeah. Kurisu, he runs into Kurisu at the supermarket, and she's like, oh, I was careful not to buy too much today. And Yuika's like, is that a brag? Okay. Oh, by the way, uh, I'm being careful about eating sweets, so here, you can have this, you know, Poco Choco, the chocolate that Yuika said that he really liked that was really cheap in the last chapter. 
And Yuga's like, oh, thank you so much. And Kiryu's like, it's just a little thing. And Yuga's like, well, they have sentimental value for me, so that's why I love them. Aww. And Naruka's like, no! Everyone's giving him Valentine's chocolate except me! So she gets really depressed. He's like, oh, but he got it and he looks really happy, so if I were to give him something now, maybe it would just be a bother to him. No, you fool! Come on! Come Do it! So, and Read he, the mood! He's almost home, and she's like, I'll just forget about it this year and do it next year. But then she realizes that she's been doing this year after year after year, and she's freaking going to Australia in her, as her yes, plan next yes, year. So. so she finally realizes that she doesn't have a next year, finally. So she shouts out to Yuga right before he gets to the threshold of his home, and calls out to him, gets up to him, and she gives him her beautifully crafted chocolate and she's like you know it's just um it's there's no special meaning um it's for you and she's like oh wow it looks amazing thank you and she takes a bite of it and she's like oh wow it's delicious and then he recognizes the taste we get a flashback where every single time that ruka tried to deliver chocolate to yuiga she would lose her nerve at the last minute but she didn't want the chocolate to go away so she would break apart the chocolate and craft it into fake Poke Choco so that it would look like it was just a little souvenir that would not look like romantic chocolate. And she's like, been doing it every year. And the only person who knows that this has been happening is Kobayashi. Uh, so Yuiga's like, oh, Poke Choco was left for me this year. And uh, he eats it, and he's so super delicious. And he's like, oh, it's amazing how delicious this cheap chocolate is. And Kobayashi's like, yeah, who gave you those? Weird, huh? And so Yuiga actually realizes, like, has she actually been doing this for five years for me? And he starts to say something, and they're both really, really, really embarrassed and blushing. And Ruka's fucking friends show up and are like, oh, it's yep. so romantic. Yep. And, of course, she has to claim that it's, that it's, uh, oh, it's not, it's not Ruka's friends. It's, uh, Yuiga's family. I couldn't tell because their faces are super distorted. Every time, man. Every time. So... She has to proclaim it's just platonic chocolate. I mean, um, I, I, I like this story. I really do. But do you ever get tired every now and then of just like the repetitiveness of like every time something cool is about to happen? It's like, oh, and, damn it. For <laughs> they, this they series. Play it off, they play it off like a joke at the end like they did here. And I'm like, ah, come on. <laughs> I was at the point you were at, I don't know, five-ish years ago. Just like being frustrated that every romantic yeah. element of a shonen story goes this way. But for actual full-blown romantic comedy series, I'm just, like, numb to it. It's like, this is what you have to do until you get to the end, you know? I could totally so. understand that. you just like, yep, yeah, this is what the whole genre is about, so just go with it. Yeah. But this was a really sweet story, and I love the detail that, that they actually tie together the reason that Yuiga has such a fondness for Pokechoko is that Uruka has been tearing apart her beautifully crafted chocolates every year and just kind of disguising them as this cheap little candy. So Valentine Valentine's Day in Japan is so elaborate, you know, <laughs> well, because it's such a big, you know, like there's like yeah. this kind of expectancy for it. Uh, and yeah. And they do the whole white day thing like a month later and stuff, you know, when I was a kid and, and we would give people Valentine's, it was just like, just get a Valentine for everyone in the class. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. It was always the thing. Yeah. We did that in elementary school. My senior year, I gave a flower to this girl I had a crush on. It was the most awkward Aww. shit ever but you know it was like it's my senior year i'm not gonna you know have another chance so here you go have a flower <laughs> and then you got married 
Uh, yeah, yeah, that's how that went. No, her, 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 she, I, I, I gave it to her. I was like running up the steps when she was coming down and I had to run the entire length of the school to get there really quick. This perfect spot to give it to her where there was no one else around. I'm like, awesome. So I just ran the whole length of the school and I'm just like, here's the flower for you. And she's like, thank you. And just walks away and her face goes beat red. And I'm like, okay, well, nothing else happened after that, but I did it. <laughs> hey oh well it's one of those things where it's like if you hadn't done it then you would have been like eh, oh I no i would have been, i would have regretted yeah. it so much if i didn't but i did so yeah. cool All if right. nothing comes of it nothing comes of it yeah yeah that's just how it goes but i gave her the flower i'm happy with that <laughs> by the way while we're still on the subject of we never learn um yeah. do you have a preferred girl to match up with Yuiga, and do you have a theory of who is going to ogata and i feel like it is going to be uruka though oh okay I wanted to yeah, be Ruka really badly because she's, I just, it's, she's just so sweet. Yeah. But I, I feel like first girl role might win out. And although technically she's the first one to know Yuiga, the first one that actually met him in the context of the series was Fumino and Ogata. At the yeah, same I, I so. there was the one of my favorite chapters of the series is one where they're um, I forget the exact scenario, but they had to sleep next to each other. And they're in like mm-hmm. they're in that like, yeah, that that one. That was a really adorable chapter. I think it is going to uh, be Fumino at this point, but I'm uh, not super confident. I, anyway I'll at all, admit so. uh, whenever a chapter comes out, sometimes I skip a few chapters and I also just scroll through a few others. So I haven't been keeping up with the flow. It's, but, a good, it's a good uh, series to do that with because yeah, it, the art's really good. It gives some pretty good panels and stuff. Like when their eyes go all crazy, that yeah, was that was a lot of great yeah. comedic reactions. Yeah, yeah. So that, it's a good comedy. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Doctor Stone then, and uh, Sitekin take us yes. through it. Yeah, yeah. I will take that away. Doctor Stone, one of my faves. Okay, so the plan is. Well, we'll release Yoga, and he probably won't kill us, and he'll probably fight against Mozu for us. So that's a bit of a gamble, but Hyoka kind of tells and's like, all right, well, this is what we're doing now. And I think he realizes, yeah, Mozu's going to attack us anyway. So it's one of those things where Mozu's going to have to fight Hyoga at one point or another. So they just start fighting. Senku grabs everybody and was like, all right, well, I know we ran to the ship, but now we have to hurry up and get the hell off the ship. We have to go back to the mainland. And they're like, what? Why? And he's like, because... Well, do you want to get caught up in that fight? And they're like, okay, yeah, fair point. So they leave. Mozu does try to stop them, but Hyoga kind of like, I mean, uh, yeah, Hyoga blocks it, and then like they start fighting. And it's it's in typical shonen fashion. It's like they're fighting for a little while, and Hyoga's like, ah, you're pretty good, and Mozu's like, huh. I haven't even shown you my final form yet. And he just starts, whoa, and he swings that axe and it just breaks apart a bunch of shit in the ship. And Hyoga doesn't really block it the whole way. It looks like he gets beaten up a little bit. He gets some blood there. So uh, I'm I'm pumped for how that's going to go. That's going to be a pretty intense fight. That's going to be like the big final battle of this arc, you know, because it's like, yeah. So meanwhile, we got Ibarra hanging out and uh arashi's there and he sends him to the island and then kirasame's there and ibarra holds up the petrification device the little amulet thingy and he's like you know throw it at the island and just petrify the whole island kirasame's like well wait you sent orashi how's he going to escape how's all these people going to escape and ibarra strikes his freaky he's like just oh what why should i give a damn about that and kirasame like she takes orders from ibarra 
But she flashes back to when she was a little kid and she was talking to the great leader, uh, Soyuz's father, and he was talking about how, you know, we shouldn't – we had like this power of the petrification device. It's so, you know, power, it's so rare. It's so unique. We should never misuse this. And so Kirasame's like, wait, this isn't right here. So – she kind of finally wises up to this and is like, is that really the great leader's will? And at that point, Ibarra just like he strikes the crazy eyes. <laughs> it's like Kirasame's pretty much been like, I don't want to say brainwashed by Ibarra, but just like this is the natural order of things on the island. Mm-hmm. It's like that's the great leader. Ibarra is his like head counselor, like, you know, the counselor, you know, like he's a Jafar, basically. It's just like. Yeah. Ibarra, Ibarra, are you sure I need to wear this negligee whenever I do anything? It is the great master's will. Okay. Oh, my God. There was that the one panel where she's like, Lord Ibarra, is that truly the great leader's will? I'm panning down. And it's like, I that's not her boobs. But, you know, it, 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 they look remarkable. OK, I, so, I do wonder if the design of the bag she carries around on her are meant to specifically look like that. I, I mean, know. I get what they are. They're very practical. Having a bunch of you know, cargo shorts do not exist in the stone world. I get it. But I, I the, the fashionable choice is rather. Yeah. So at the same time, back at the shore, Senku and everybody, not Senku, uh, Taiju and everybody, they kind of g- gathered the um, statue of the great leader. They fixed it with Yuzuria and everybody. So they're gathered on the shore and they're like, hey, look, everybody, the great leader is a statue. And of course, Taiju, crazy, strong voice. So that's just echoes throughout the entire island everybody on the ship hears it everybody on the still on the boats they all hear this at once kirasame looks over and her eyes just go like what and at that point ibarra's like okay screw this i gotta flip the kill switch on this fast because before kirasame kills me so he holds up the petrification device and he's like one meter one second a lot of people were freaking out over that scene because they're like that seems oddly specific he would use in that measurement so people are thinking ibarra might be from the you know he might be one of the stone people released he might be from the present because the way he says it like one meter one second like hmm well so this village is an offshoot yes of ishigami so they would have because presumably like uh byakia would have passed on stuff like that so yeah that's i mean like i always i mean with dr stone it's like this thing where it's like yeah you got science and stuff included you have to take a few things with a grain of salt though like the way i would look at it like biakia passing down these lessons over three thousand years um they would be twisted and changed over the course of the millennium like they wouldn't be speaking perfect japanese at this point right you know but you you go with that but i'm like okay that's an interesting scene so presumably also because this device is presumably the same in nature as the device that set up the worldwide petrification previously. So Mm -hmm. if it, if it operates on those measurement terms, and even if they weren't familiar to someone who discovered them, if you learned how to use it, you would learn what those measurements over time. But just the fact, yeah, he used like meters and seconds and stuff. So yeah, I guess that was just taught down by Biakia. But anyway, so he, um, Kirasame tries to attack him at the same time, tries to at least grab it from him. He just kind of, he does this in a really careful way where he steps back and uses it and he doesn't get afflicted by the wave, but she does. Cause she kind of just like, he backs up and launches it in front of him. She just kind of runs right into it. Yeah. So she begins to cry and just like, you know, Ibarra, you bastard. And she turns to stone and then Ibarra's like, you know, bye bye. Thank you for all <laughs> your loyalty up until now. 
And now, of course, Ibarra's like, okay, I'm I'm done with this now. He holds it out. And the thing looks like it's, like, dripping stuff off of yeah, it. As he's, yeah, yeah. it's a little weird. But he's holding it up, and he's just like, okay, uh, I'm done with this. I'm just – at this point, I'm sure Ibarra's just like, I'm going to turn everybody to stone, and I'll figure it out later. You know, whatever. So he's about to do something when all of a sudden every, you hear a gunshot – which, of course, Ibar is not really used to hearing what that sound. What the hell sound. is that? Yeah, like, what the hell? Oh, was it lightning? What is that? And before he can really, like, look around or move from his spot, boom, bullet just shoots him right in the hand. And, uh, it, wait, is it the same hand he was holding? Yeah, it was. It was the same yep. hand he was holding the device in. So it falls and drops in the water, and it was Yo. Yo is hanging out there, and he's like, he got his gun, and he's like, finally, I was able to shoot the bastard. And he, we only have one bullet left after this, because Magma wasted a few. He he missed first when that was the sound he first heard, and then he shot him on the second shot. So they only have one bullet or one little pachinko ball remaining. So, um, well, he says in his narration that this was actually his last shot. Oh, that was his last shot. Cause I'm looking yeah. at the diagram there and it said remaining two confusing. and then remaining yeah. one. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, it says I'm down to the last, so I'm not sure, but at any, at any rate, it worked. He finally hit him with it. Um, I'm also happy to see the packing power of that thing. Cause they were kind of curious about like, these are at the end of the day, these aren't actual bullets. So they're probably not going to kill somebody, but they would definitely they would definitely draw blood. But we don't know how much damage they was really do. But no, this thing pumped right through his freaking hand. Yeah. And it was if, at it, a if it hit him well. in the neck, it would have killed him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. This would have definitely been able to kill him. So it's a Senku made a straight up gun. He yeah. made a revolver. Yeah, he made a pretty decent one. Um, so anyway, yeah, the thing, it, the petrification device, it falls into the water and Ibarra just shouts and screams like, what? and then that's how the chapter ends. <laughs> I love the uh, little speech that Yo delivers. Oh, it's great. Because he's it's like, right. you've got the right to remain silent. Um, I don't know the rest of it, but I got you. <laughs> he's like, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you, um, uh, you're a jerk face. You're under arrest. <laughs> you know, so I love that. This is why uh, um, police and, carry and, around and, the Miranda And Yo, in that card. last panel, Yo is looking pretty badass. Just yeah. the expression in his face, you know. So way to go, Yo. You finally lived up to being a police officer. <laughs> You did something good. Hooray. Yeah, it's a, it packs a little bit more punch than a BB gun. So, yeah, you're pretty good with that. Yeah. Cool, um, cool chapter. I was I will say that um, Dr. Stone does have this kind of obsession with like every time a, a female character comes by. It's like she's evil, but but she's got a soft heart. It's like, yeah, can you have one of them be like as scummy as the guys? Maybe just to change it up a little bit. Hirasame is going to join the group. You know oh, that. Well, yeah, I mean, like she's got no reason <laughs> not to at this point. Yeah, like, well, my whole life was a lie, so <laughs> I guess I'll go on a trip with you guys. I mean, I guess she could out, she could stay on the island instead. Yeah, that is true. But yeah. she's no um, longer going to be an opponent, presumably. So. Yeah, you just I mean, honestly, you just get rid of Ibarra and everything else will be cool. And he's not that much of a threat well, physically. They've, it's got just deal the, with, they've got to deal with Mosu, but. Oh, well, right. Well, I figured Hyoga's going to. Yeah. In a perfect world, Hyoga's going to take him out and then Hyoga's not going to want to kill the rest of them immediately. See how that goes. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, it looked like Hyoga was getting pushed back a little bit there. I said I read one thing that, you know, did a pretty good job. It's like Mosu's great at natural talent, but. Hyoga is the one that's actually trained in this particular martial art with his spear for years and years and years. Hmm. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see where this It's more like Hyoga's got him on skill. Mozu's got him outmatched in raw physical strength. We'll see where that goes. Yep. Okay. 
All right, we're going to move on to Chainsaw Man, Chapter right. 49, Shark Hurricane. <laughs> Sharknado was another translation I saw, which was they great. Couldn't, they couldn't do that, no. Yeah. So uh, Aki emerged from a pile of corpses that Reese was walking over with Denji's uh, half-body in tow, emerged from it, cut her arm off, and now Denji's body has dropped to the ground. She immediately whirls on him, turns her body into, like, I don't know, a bunch of detonation ropes i think uh so there's like this series of explosions as she swings her arm at him and aki's thinking to himself you know one wrong move and i'm dead i can see into the future but only a few seconds ahead so i've got to make sure i can react in time uh and he's really you know he's very clearly like stressed the hell out trying to do this knows that if he makes a single wrong move then and even if he fights perfectly he might die at any moment uh more explosions Fortunately, Plague Doctor Mask Guy has shown up and he pulls Aki out of the way of a big explosion. And uh, so Reese all of a sudden is just like, hey, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang, on, hang on, hang on. I'm anemic. I'm practically naked. <laughs> now it's a handicap match. This is not fair. And Plague Doctor Guy is like, should we give her a handicap? And Aki's like, no. <laughs> okay. No. God, no. What are you doing? So Reese's like, all right, fine. Another demon appears, referring to itself as Typhoon. It appears to be making a Typhoon out of its own giant brain matter. So things are not looking good. Now there's another devil to have to deal with. Yep. The angel devil look uh, goes down, looks down at uh, one of the bodies and uh, kind of like grabs it, its hand and is like, well, you're going to heaven, but I need to take your blood. Sorry. Uh Eve carries the corpse over to where Denji is. They pour some blood into his mouth and he, you know, regenerates and wakes up. Uh, and he, and they're like, well, I mean, you should be dead by now. And the shark devil says, that's my lord, Chainsaw. You're the badassest. <laughs> uh, so they you know, let him know, hey, Reese's killing a lot of people. You know, if you leave her, then she's going to kill more people. So do you let her kill you without a fight and mitigate the casualties or do you kill her? It's a then, philosophical question, really. <laughs> <laughs> so Denji's like, all right, I'm going to kill her, but she's really strong. So the angel devil looks at the shark and is like, you know, you seem to know a lot about the chainsaw devil. So you need to tell us what as much as you can about that so that you know, we have a chance to fight this. So the shark devil's like, well, Lord Chainsaw was super fast, uh, but he used more than just his feet. He used the chainsaw chain to move. He would throw and hook the chain and move from building to building. And okay. Denji's like, oh, yeah, yeah, the, the samurai guy would uh, move around with that flashy sword draw move, and Reese has been using explosions to move. So I can use my own powers like that. Yeah, okay. And Shark's like, yeah, you're a genius. And so <laughs> Denji's like, using my chain to move. All right, I got it. And Shark's like, yeah, you've got it. And he's like, all right, beam, turn into a shark. And Shark Devil turns into a shark. And yeah. <laughs> And he, he just, just uses it like reins. Like, right, mounts the shark and uses chains like reins. Like, here's the answer. A full page spread them out like that. Yeah, I'll break and beam with my chain and ride him like a horse. And That's be- the image I saw all over social media, like a chainsaw man riding a shark. I'm like, yep. And, be- <laughs> and beam is kind of slurring around the chain. And Angel Devil's like, are you sure that that's what you're supposed to do? You could shoot <laughs> yeah. chains from your arms and hook them onto buildings like Spider-Man. And Denji's like, what? No, this is right, right, Beam? And Beam just kind of like has a moment of like, Lord Chainsaw is going to ride me into battle. Yeah, this is right. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, let's do this. Yep. So 
<laughs> you start riding into battle like that. <laughs> if I saw that coming at me, I would just be like, nope, sorry, I'm done. Not even handling that well, chainsaw on a freaking shark. Come on. Well, well Reese does see this coming towards her and she just starts laughing about it. That's not a laughing situation, man. <laughs> so Reese is on the side of the building. Denji is tearing towards her, mounted on Beam's back. The Typhoon Devil guy is ripping towards them from behind Reese. And Reese says, I'm going to make you regret reviving. And Denji's like, don't make me regret this, Beam. <laughs> what an absurd... I want to make note. Yes, this is a very funny moment. Chainsaw on a shark with a bomb and a Typhoon. Yeah. This is a very funny moment in terms of the character interactions and the absurdity of the visual. Denji has just figuratively and nearly literally had his heart ripped out by this woman who claims to be to love him, uh, only to betray him. Uh, she has killed many people in pursuit of killing him and bringing his heart back. And he's doing this stupid shit. <laughs> right. So girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense so far. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, my goodness. So there you go. That's That was Chainsaw Man this week. Chainsaw riding on a shark. Ridiculous. Yep. Love it. Black Clover, page 231, The Dark Triad. Um, dun, dun. Asta had rushed into battle. He took out a bunch of people with the super sword, like he does. Uh, Noel and Mimosa show up shortly afterwards, and... Uh, no, and Asta's like, oh, Noelle's coming too. That water armor's way cool. She cast that moving ball at the same time too. She's gotten really awesome. Hmm. Okay. I mean, she didn't do anything, but I'll believe, I'll take your fucking word just, for just, it. You just roll with it, Nick. Yeah. You just roll with it. <laughs> Finral is also there, but he lands with much less dignity than the girls do. Yeah. Uh, Noelle scolds Asta for, you know, jumping ahead like that. Finral's like, Ah, look at all the... I, I, I was with Noel Mimosa and the thrill of it nearly killed me. No, wait, no. No, I'm not. No, Ms. Finez is the only one who thrills me now. Because it turns out they're like... Because he starts to freak out over a wo the woman who was going to get raped and she's still half naked. And, she, and he's like, oh, yeah. I'll protect you. No, 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 I can't do it's, that. It's, it's, what's funny is it's been six months and he's still... And Asta's like, well, you've come really far in half a year, and he's still this bad with it. I'm like, oh, man, Finral. And they're engaged now. Like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like six months, and you still can't handle, like, like, I can't resist hitting on that cute girl. And Asta's like, you've made so much progress. And Noah's like, <laughs> no, he hasn't. You're both idiots. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, Mimosa uses a new form of her healing magic... To heal a bunch of people at once. It takes the form of like what looks like angel wings made of flowers. Yeah. Everyone's cool now. We get a little bit of a flashback for when they were with the uh, Ark Kingdom princess. And she was like, go storm the Spade Kingdom's outlying bases. So they did. We cut over to where another group is handling things. Luck and Leopold are taking out more people. They've gotten strong, too. That's the point of this chapter. Look at how strong everyone's been. The heroes are so strong. Look at how strong. They weren't strong hey. before. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, Nick, they're not just stronger. They also got new outfits. And That's and, also very and important. And Leo got taller, apparently. It's hard to tell because, like, nobody is in the same layer of background uh, as him. Yeah, so yeah. Leopold, Leopold got a different hairstyle. He cut his hair a little bit. I think he cut yeah. the... Uh, no, yeah. he's still got the tail, but he looks a little different, yeah. yes. Yeah. 
And they're like, yes, of course, I'm, I would grow bigger because, you know, I'm related to Merleau Leon and Fuego Leon. It's a good point. Exactly. Tall you know, he's going to be a beast in two years. And Ass is like, <laughs> I'm going to be short, but jacked forever. <laughs> yep. So the townspeople that have been saved are like, what are you planning to do with this place? And Ass is like, well, it's your town. We just liberated it. So have at it. Go and home. Like, Yay. <laughs> And uh, Ast just says that they just want the devil that's supposed to be in the Spade Kingdom. And Nearly Raped Girl is like, well, right now the Spade Kingdom is under the control of brutal mages known as the Dark Triad. I Dun -dun. hear they're horribly strong, almost like devils. The Dark Triad! Dun -dun. Look, look, it's the Dark Triad. And there's a girl with a spade eye patch, and there's a guy with a scar, and there's a guy with a crown with a different scar. Yeah, I believe the, that the cross... Scar guy is supposed to be the guy that we saw in the flash over to the diamond. Yeah, because it was stated he was the one that went over to diamond and wiped it out. And his name is Xenon, I think. Vanica's the eye patch girl. And uh, crown guy is Dante. Which, okay, I'm a fan of the Inferno, so okay, I'll go with that. <laughs> so, they then, yeah, they talk about stuff. And Dante's like, all of this was in preparation for the time to come. The game would be dull if it ended right away. All life is in the palm of our hand. Now then, what should we target next? Which basically he said that because that one dude is like, why did we attack the Diamond Kingdom and then not do anything for six months? Oh, because we can't have it all end like because that. Because we had also... to have nothing happen for six months. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah. Six months exactly. They're all on the same page here. We had to yeah. synchronize our watches to get to the big fight where... Yeah. And not do so, anything else. I mean, I'm telling you, they, they look pretty imposing. There's three. There's only three of them, though. We're probably going to find out some other members of the Spade Kingdom, you know, like, like the find, warriors and all that stuff. But they'll get defeated, and then it'll be revealed who the real Dark Triad are. The uh, the Dante dude, though, he seems to be. He's wearing the crown. And he seems to be the king of the kingdom. He so. does seem to be a royal of, of prominence. Yes. Yes. Um, so all right, we'll see. All right, guys. Uh, before we get into One Piece, I will say, yes, there was World Trigger this week. We're not going to talk about it this week, however, because it's a monthly series. Chris and I will talk about that next week when he comes back, hopefully. So, we're going to um, close out on One Piece, so no pressure, dude. Oh, no, I'll take it up. I've already done this once before, so oh, we'll do it again. You got practice. Yeah, we already do the review. Okay. So, uh, flashback continues with Odin and Whitebeard. Odin clashed with Whitebeard last chapter. We don't really continue that fight, unfortunately. But, you know, Odin comes in, bashes Whitebeard's Bicento, like, let me join your crew. I have no idea who you are. And Whitebeard's like, what the fuck? Okay, uh, what? And so this chapter, um, Odin's talking about, hey, I want to go out to sea. I want to go out to sea. Just take me with you. At this point, they're all kind of chilling out on the beach while the uh, Whitebeard ship, the Moby Dick, is being repaired. And Whitebeard's looking at him and he's just like, no way, I am not taking you out to sea. And you feel bad for Odin in this chapter because he's just like a little kid that like, come on, I want to go do this thing. And Whitebeard's like, no, I'm not. It's not happening. Because he talks about the Rocks crew. He mentions, you know, my last crew I was part of was full of a bunch of people that didn't know how to take orders properly. They just did their own thing. You are very clearly that kind of person. So screw it. You know, you go out to sea on your own. And Odin's like, I tried to do it, but I couldn't. I have no navigation skills. Like, I'm good at everything else, but this one thing I'm not good at. So, 
uh, Kinemon and the rest of the Scabbard show up and they kind of have a bit of like a bro moment with Whitebeard where they're like Kinemon's like, yeah, he can't leave. He's going to be the next Shogun and he's the daimyo of Curry. Like you, you can't leave anyway. And Whitebeard's like, yeah, don't worry. I had no plan on taking him anyway. So they do the little fist bump thing. And, uh, there's a fun scene. Meanwhile, while, uh, Inarashi and Nekamamushi are talking to Marco and they're like, Hey, Marco, you, can you tell us about the five other islands in the world? And Marco's like, what do you mean five other do you actually think there's that little of islands he's like there's there's thou- hundreds of thousands of like more islands than you can count out to sea and so they, they they're shocked by that so two weeks go by and basically odin is on constant watch because the scabbards know exactly how he thinks and if they let him go for a second he's gonna run back to the ship and try to stow away or something so they take uh, their eyes off him and he stows away in the ship so (laughs) exactly so izo is with him at this point i'm assuming they're taking ships but izo just happens to be with him right now and he's like i gotta go you know into the bathroom to do some business and just you don't have to follow me everywhere and then izo's like okay fine i'll wait for you here uh but he does just that uh whitebeard ship is repaired he sets out to sea and they're like ah we feel kind of bad for leaving odin behind but we're like ah screw it you know they gave us some good food and stuff but you know they they knew what was going to happen, so right. it would probably be best. The, and like I think Whitebeard, he, basically, everyone basically, literally everyone basically knew exactly what Odin was going he, to do. So, so they, like, everyone took precautions to prevent it from happening. So Whitebeard yeah. is like, yeah, I know. I mean, look, look, I, if He's we strong. were to take him with us. It would basically be an act of war because we would be taking yeah. the king. Yeah, yeah. He's and like, they would. So we had to sneak away, otherwise he would try and go with us. So, mm-hmm. and of course he did, even though they tried to sneak away. So, so he he gets out. He he sneaks away out of the bathroom. Izo figures this out immediately and is on his tail. Uh, Odin takes a chain with like a weight at the end of it and just twirls that thing and just throws it and it latches onto the mast of the Moby Dick and Izo grabs onto Odin and they both just get flung over the shore into the waterfall over the sea. Marco is about to like get the chain because all they have to do is just unwrap it and then Odin would just fall in the water and uh, Izo as well. And Marco's like, all right, well, that's good shy. Good shot there, Odin, but we're going to let you go. Whitebeard kind of stops him and he's like, wait a second, Marco. Just pull up the guy that's holding on to Odin, Izo. So they pull Izo up. They keep Odin out on the chain while they're having a discussion. Izo, they tie him up because if they don't tie him up, then he's going to go and try to help Odin, obviously. So they tell him, you know, um, I can't just let this guy on my ship because I have no idea what this guy is. This is my family, after all, because that's how Whitebeard views his, his crew. So he's like, I, I can't just let him on the ship, right? So they come up with an agreement, though, where Whitebeard goes over to Odin and says, um, if you can, hey, hey, Odin, if you can hold on to that chain in the water being dragged by my ship for three days straight, then I'll let you on my crew. And Odin's like, really? And Whitebeard's like, yeah, I'm a man of my word. And so begins the trial of Odin. <laughs> and so this is actually terrifying if you actually think about it. Imagine oh, yeah. being submerged. He's being, in, he's being keelhauled, essentially. Yeah. Imagine being yeah, in salt water, just constantly, you know, because you can't avoid it. You're going to be sucking in and drinking salt water for three days straight. You'd be dead in a few hours if that happened to you. Uh, but this is Odin, of course. So we see him get in the middle of the weather, the hail, giant fish eat him. Uh, we see him sleeping while holding the chain. He gets dragged underwater, beaten by rocks, um, fish flapping in his face. So he's not looking pretty good, but it's been I love literally. 
that he is actually sleeping while this yeah. is going on. Yeah. Yeah, he just yeah, sleeps just, while holding onto the chain. <laughs> he's Odin. And so uh, sure enough, after a few days of this, the rest of the white beard crew is kind of cheering him on. They're like, come on, Odin, you can do this. Izo, this was something interesting because Izo eventually ended up becoming the division commander on Whitebeard's crew for like the longest. And yet here, Izo hates Whitebeard. He's looking at him like, I'll never forgive you for what you did to my uh, daimyo for, for my lord. And Whitebeard's like, well, we'll see what happens. So it's literally – Two days and 23 hours into this where his face is all puffed up from the beating and just all the salt and everything. And so um, he's beaten up. We cut over to Random Island because Oda, Oda doesn't always name every island. It's like on a random island somewhere. Um, there is a lady being chased by a bunch of pirates. The lady is Toki. Her maiden name actually is Amasuki, which turns out to be very similar to Kozuki. Kozuki uses the kanji for... Um, uh, light and moon. Amasuki uses the kanji for heaven and moon, so there's okay. some connection to that there. Yeah, yeah, and the the symbol on her uh, garb looks very similar to oh, the yeah, Kozuki. Moon, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Toki lady from uh, we find out in this chapter she time jumped from 800 years ago. Most of us could probably figure she was from the void century. Toki every- means time. It does. Every- <laughs> and and we, we, we knew. I know. Big shocker there. And her name is Toki in and of itself. So I, I wonder if that's her real name or if it's just like I have the fruit. So I'm just going to call myself Toki. I don't know. But we knew she traveled back from a time period long ago. We didn't know the exact time period but we figured it's void century because everything ties back to void century and it turns out also she's from wano originally because she's like somewhere other than wano and she needs to get back to wano somehow so she's on a beach she's being chased by a bunch of slavers um and odin just comes out of the water and he's like literally like people think he's an umi bozo like he's like a sea devil he's super swole and he's holding his sword in like, a bad way. <laughs> in a bad way. He's absorbed like more salt water. Like this, like 300% of this guy's mass is seawater at this point. He gets out of water like, I'm, I'm here. I heard a woman <laughs> scream. I'm here to save you. And so even in this state, though, um, he succeeds <laughs> and or at least he scares them off and he just kind of collapses and we cut back to the, the the ship and everyone's like, oh, he let go with an hour left. And they're like, oh, I wonder what would have happened for him to leave this test. So we cut over to the following day. Odin is now back to normal size. Um, Toki kind of gave him first aid and stuff. He's Odin. So he just gets back up and he's like, ah, I'm good now. It's cool, lady. So it's like when he, it's like when Luffy ate a whole bunch of food and then an hour later, yeah. he was fine because he just digested it, it you know, a hundred percent. Right. Yeah. So. Um, it's funny because Odin's obviously very thankful to Toki and he's like, oh, my God, this is the first time in my entire life I've stood on another island other than Wano. My adventure starts here. This is going to be crazy. Thank you, girl. Is there anything I could do to help you? I mean, to, to repay you. And Toki's like, I really want to go to Wano. <laughs> and Odin's face like, oh, oh no. the most disgusting thing he could think of. God <laughs> damn, really? So. Um, interesting guy shows up. The leader of those slavers that were trying to capture her, the pirates, were the uh, was actually Karma, 
Karma was one of the subordinate captains that helped out Wipeyear during Marineford. He was the squid dude, Ooh. who I guess is at least he's either a fishman or half fishman because he does. Ha- I didn't notice this back in Marineford. He has six arms that are all functional. Yes. So uh, he's not just some guy wearing a squid costume. So he's either fishman or half fishman, but they don't look like fish arms. They look like like the he looks arms. like a regular yeah. yeah. except for that. Yeah. So I'm thinking it might be something like Derringer, but whatever. So he shows up and he's like, oh, I'm going to beat you down. Wipeyear appears and just boom just taps karma on the back of his head and he falls down immediately and whitebeard's there and he's like you know what odin you know you might have left the you might have technically failed the trial but the fact that you left because a woman was in danger that proves to me that you're a good guy and that i'll accept you on my crew as my little brother so that was cool so i'm assuming the little like like marco was like like 15 joe's who's like 12 here he refers to those guys as his sons but men that are a little closer to his age like are his little brothers so odin strikes like he's really much like luffy here he strikes the happy he's like yo sugoi yeah we're gonna do this so for i real don't think for- i don't think that odin has ever been more like luffy than throughout <laughs> this chapter so <laughs> this is this is yeah. like the cartoonish stuff that he gets up to and his reactions to everything that's that's going on so mm. I love that because oh, uh, everyone's like, oh, Odin, yay, welcome aboard. We're sorry that Pops put you through much so much shit like an asshole. And he, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then Whitebeard's just like, hey, shut up. This is how I do things. Um, Izo's still like, you know, I'm still not going to forgive you. Or you're yeah. just going to like throw us overboard whenever you feel like it. And yeah. Whitebeard kind of jokes with his tongue in cheek. He's like, gur, gur, gur. well, I might someday. Who knows? And so and Dogstorm um, and, oh, and Viper are there. And, and, yeah, and Odin's like, what are you doing here? Well, we figured you would do this, so we snuck aboard to come with you. Yeah, <laughs> we're here. So, and then, okay, so Neku and Inu are there. Uh, Izo's there. Odin's now joined. And now there's only Toki. So Whitebeard looks at her and he's like, so, okay, who are you, lady? Like, we can we help you? Like, what's your story? And he's and she's like, my name's Toki, and I really want to go to Wano. And Whitebeard's like, oh, you too. <laughs> so we just came from there. So, um... They uh, begin their epic adventure. I, I figured we weren't going to get like an actual like because this flashback's already kind of going it's on a little long. I think a lot of people want a lot of people want to get back to the action. A lot of people want to get to the actual fight on Onigashima. So we just get a montage of the adventures. We see uh, Odin going to all these crazy different islands. Like oh, this island has like oh, this is a desert. This is a frozen tundra. Um, also, little fun thing. Didn't notice it until um, recently. Somebody mentioned it in the panel. Where we're on the hot island where we see Odin running around on fire, you actually yeah. get to see Marco using his Phoenix fruit. Oh yeah. So you can just barely yeah. see the flame just standing up just behind him. Just barely. Yeah. But that's yeah, so Marco had his Phoenix fruit even at age fifteen. Interesting note. We get to see a giant that looks more like a giant like oars with the uh the horns coming out of him. Yeah, like yeah. The- but more than anything, I mean, Odin's going on and on about the places and the animals and the plants and the things and the races. But more than anything, Odin just like I, I'm seeing the new ideas of the world. Everybody has because in Wano, the thing that was so stuffy about Wano is everybody had this tradition, the same idea. Like this is what's socially permissible. This is what isn't. And Odin always fought against that every single day of his life. And here he's seeing all these different perspectives from all these different people. We see everyone getting around and having fun and partying on the ship. Everyone's having a good time. 
last page of the chapter, very quickly, Toki out of nowhere is just like, oh, my age? I'm 26. I was born eh, around 800 years ago. So that was a random thing that was just thrown in there, but we find out. I like, okay, how, she was I like how there's nobody who is like, whoa, they're all just like, <laughs> Yeah, because it makes, it's like, whatever, okay, that makes sense to us, right? And so the last scene is we cut to another random ocean and we see, first off, we see little kid Buggy and Shanks who are both nine years old here. So, damn, Roger, <laughs> you're bringing like nine year old kids on your epic journey into the new world. Um, Shanks already has the straw hat and he looks a lot like like Luffy did when he was like seven and Shanks gave him like the hats too big for his head. But he looks OK. So that's nine year old Shanks. And uh, Roger's there reading the paper and he's like, ah, so uh, a samurai escaped from that isolated country of Wano. You know, I want to meet him. And you get. The great pirate Gold Roger. And I should also mention, you know, he's 47 here. This is six years before he dies. He looks a lot younger. He looks like he's in his, like, 30s here or something. Yeah, he but he's 47. Like he's 50. Yeah. So, anyway, he ended up getting sick, too. So, we'll see what happens with mm -hmm. that. But, no, yeah. So, next chapter, we're probably just going to cut right to maybe Roger and how he met Odin. Because we kind of have to – we have to include it. We still have to do the whole thing of how Orochi and Kaido took over and how Odin yep. apparently died. So we got a lot of stuff in this flashback. Still a lot of ground to cover, and there is a lot of tragedy probably to happen. <laughs> oh, God, yes. The yeah. The, f the frames turned black. You know, you're going to cry. So. Yep. But so, yeah, really, I, I liked it. I'm I'm digging on the flashback. I really am. I be, I'm one of those guys that's like, I'd be okay if this lasted like 15 chapters. But that's just me. Hmm. Um, it's yeah, been really yeah. good. I mean, you know, I think that it's partially that Wano is such a likable and interesting character. Um just, you know, you get what he's about very immediately, and he had this ragtag crew that loved him so much uh, because of what he did for them. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's I mean, really done a lot to establish why people, why he was such a beloved figure. So. It really reminds you of Luffy, because Luffy's the same way, how he can always mm -hmm. draw people around him to support him, and Odin was the same way. Yeah. So... All right. Oh yeah, you called Wano. You called Wano a character there. <laughs> did I say Odin? Did I say Wano instead of Odin? You said yeah, you said Wano instead of Odin, but it's my, cool. My bad. Yeah, they're, they're the same person. <laughs> it's okay. Very close. All to right. Associate. So yeah, this was um, this was an interesting rundown. I learned some new chapters today. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to wrap things up there then because I'm going to yeah. have to get going once we're finished here. Uh, so, did you have any favorites this week? Like, any favorite series? Any favorite characters? Uh, I, I feel like picking One Piece would be too easy because I talk about it all the time. So, I'll go with Dr. Stone. Uh, and as for one that I liked that was new, I'll go with that family assassin spy one. I thought that was a pretty cool one. Okay. Uh, my favorite chapter this week was, was Chainsaw Man. I, I'm paying for it so much that I wanted so badly not to read this series. And then when people picked it, it suddenly <laughs> got really awesome. So... Like, there's this entire fight with that's involved Reese has just been really good. So, but yeah. this was just too funny to pass up. Uh, and my favorite character this week was actually Endeavor. Um, not because oh, he's yeah. a likable person, but because it was like some really hefty stuff. And, uh, hey, he did what is probably best for his family finally. Yeah, um, probably my favorite character for, I would go with Endeavor too for that. The, <laughs> the fans. <laughs> voted for world I, I, trigger and hughes so <laughs> which we didn't cover this uh in this breakdown because uh i deliberately left it off um but right. uh yeah so I, I don't read those series either way so you know <laughs> so that's gonna do it guys thank you for joining us for weekly manga recap teching thank you for joining us for the show 
Uh, no problem. Anytime. Is there anything besides like, you know, your usual stuff you want to plug your YouTube? Channel, I, yeah, I, I've pretty I've limited just to YouTube and Twitter. I am doing a charity live stream uh, this month. It'll be on December 21st. It'll be for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. So I'll put a video about that probably next week announcing the particulars of that. But that's my next big project coming up. All right. Cool. And uh, yep. we should be back at our usual time next week on Wednesday, sometime 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Hopefully back on smashcast.tv slash C. We'll keep you updated on that stuff. Just be sure to follow the social media accounts to add to BMR podcast at C at Nick F time. And uh, I'll let you guys know if I need to host it myself again, that kind of thing. Check out our past episodes on weeklymongerecap.pipeing.com. Subscribe on iTunes, on YouTube, leave a comment, leave a rating. Send feedback, questions for Q&A episodes, all that good stuff. You can do that via weeklymongerecap.yahoo.com. Send him, send him chocolate. Send Nick a lot of chocolate. No. Um, <laughs> or the Discord server. Discord is also a really valuable way for us to keep in contact when something you know like this occurs. We need to update everybody on this stuff. Special thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Special thanks to Steven, our Tyrocarist, infamous planet for making the streaming frame. Uh, to Milo Jack Stillitz, soundcloud.com slash Milo Jack Stillitz, youtube.com slash Wednesday Cheddar does the visuals uh, for our opening sequence and to Nish X3i for maintaining the spreadsheet with uh, all of our information regarding the uh, favorite series each week, the superlative awards, and also the recommendations that we're working on. So that's going to do it. Uh, Teching, thank you very much. Uh, anything you want to no say? Prob- be- anything you want to say before we close off here? Nope, we're good. Just right. nice. I uh, hope hope Chris is back next week. Hope everything's yeah. good with him. <laughs> so in the because see if Chris were here, if if I tried to say like no, I don't have anything to say, <laughs> we would improvise something really quickly, and I'd be like, I just oh okay, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, uh, and sometimes splendidly Sometimes I have something really interesting to say. Mostly I don't because I'm very tired by the end of it, which is oh right. god, yeah. And you still have to go to work. That's the sad thing. Yes, I do. Uh, Thank you all right. for reminding me. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Oh. <laughs> Later, everybody. <laughs>